This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We are going to uh, begin with, an, uh, to get a deeper understanding on matzah. Everyone eats matzah. People actually, you know, are, they, they actually, you know, don't look forward to eating matzah. First of all, it's very expensive. Um, and that's why the joke that people say, lechem oni, it makes you poor. You know, it makes you, you know, beforehand you had money, but now that you have to buy matzah, now you're a poor man. Not that it's poor man bread, it makes you a poor man. But all setting, all jokes aside, it's actually a very big mitzah. And we know that you don't lose from, from spending your money on mitzvot. So, uh, well, unfortunately, when people come to eating matzah, they come into this, you know, sort of a, a downward, and besides the fact that they think that it all constipates, well, not the thing, it's, you know, probably proven, you know, it constipates you, and, it, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's difficult to digest. Um, so, so the goal tonight is to get a deeper understanding in the spiritual aspect of matzah, and uh, see how we can actually appreciate this holy ma- the mitzvah, and actually gain a lot of, not only knowledge, but also spiritual, um, you know, when you're actually eating it, it's a difference, you get the reward is also on what your enthusiasm is inside if you're eating matzah like oh you know is you know stale you know bland you know piece of cardboard that I'm chewing and you you know you get reward you eat matzah but if you eat it matzah also and it's like a mitzvah this is great it's a completely different reward a reward also comes with all the efforts that you put into it and the feeling that into it same thing with everything you're gonna go and you're gonna you know, you're gonna pray you pray a little you know you're falling asleep you know you'll get reward for praying okay but you're not gonna get the top of the reward you can pray all of a sudden with all your enthusiasm with all your emotion you're getting much greater much greater reward so it pays for us to get a little bit of an understanding on matzah. Um, that is the fundamental, one of the fundamental um, ideas in, uh, in, in Pesach. So that brings us to our first question. The first question is Chag Matzot. It's called, you know, literally the, the Passover, the holiday of Matzot. Now, why? That's not the main part of the of, of the holiday. The part, you know, why do we eat matzot? Because when the Jews left Egypt, they didn't have enough time to bake real bread. They had to break, you know, it was flatbread. It was very quick and so on, under 18 minutes, and they went, ran out of time. So because of that, now we're eating matzah in commemoration. Now, the question is, okay, I, I understand that. So let's eat matzah, no problem. But why is the whole holiday, Chag matzot, the holiday of matzot? That's question number one. Question number two is um is is uh you know I understand that you know it's an important factor in the story, which is fine. So let's have matzot on Pesach. We'll eat matzot, but why take out chametz? What's the problem with chametz? Why can't we have we'll have matzot, we'll have three matzot on the table, we'll point to it, we'll be this is the, like we point to the Kalben Pesach, we, we point we point to all these different things. We'll point to the chametz, we'll eat, I mean we'll point to, I'm sorry to the matzah, don't point to chametz, you know I have chametz. You we point to the matzah, you go and you eat it, and then you have bread afterwards. Why do we have to nullify and destroy all bread that we have in our house? And if you think about it, it's such a restriction that we don't have anything else like it. You have non-kosher food in your house, you don't have to go and destroy it. You can keep it inside your house, not, not a problem. Uh, not, not really, you know, great, because it's just by accident, who knows what happened, but it's not. On Pesach, you now that have chametz in your house. It's so, it's so, like, and, and you have to do a checking. You have to go around and you have to look for it. When, you know, you're going into a house, you don't have to go look and make sure there's not no kosher food. So chametz is even stringent, it's more stringent in many other, in many aspects than non-kosher food. Now, why is it? Now, uh, furthermore, is, is, um, you know, the, the the question that we're going to deal with all the way at the end is if chametz is so bad that we can't have anything on it on Pesach, then why are we uh, allowed to eat it throughout the year? Let us eliminate it forever. For why, why are we allowed to do that? Okay, so those are the questions we have to uh, deal with and try to get a uh, an answer. In. But before we go into that, let us go and get a little bit of a different understanding on on something else, and that is an understanding of of anger. And we'll plug it in in a little bit, so stay with me. So there is an there's the the Chachamim the Chazal tell us that 
Oh, look at that. Didn't bring it. Okay. The Chachamim tell us that there is a, um, that someone who, who gets angry, he gets all sorts of Gehenom. All sorts of hell are going to go and control him. Now, why is it that anger is such a problematic, you know, thing that we don't say that if somebody who's selfish, all, all Gehenom, all hell is going to go and control him. Why specifically anger? And furthermore, the Ramchal in Mesilat Yisharim, Brings down, and I wanted to quote a few, but I don't have it here. I think I forgot that in my house. But uh, he he brings down the Ramchal that there is a um, an idea that that when somebody gets angry, he is ready to commit all sorts of sins. There's like nothing stopping him. He'll do anything. And you know, you actually see that if someone gets angry, there's the the common sense that a person has is all gone. It's all whatever happens now. They get angry. They throw things. They say things that they shouldn't have said. They do things that they shouldn't have done. Um, and a lot of people regret it. And especially this is what big problem when people have uh, anger issues that it's it's uh why is it such a big deal is that they can't control themselves they turn into a, a different being they turn into somebody else so um that is uh right so that that is also what the Ranchal says regarding anger next the there's a gemara in brachot in uh page 17a that says like this it says there was a rabbi i believe it was rabbi alexander that he would that he would there was, it brings down over there that the rabbis would offer a, a personal prayer after at the end of shmona esrei now this is sort of strongly recommended to everybody who's praying when you're finishing praying shmona esrei either you could say it in shma kolein or you could say after the hiratzon before you take three steps back offer your own personal prayer speak to god it's so it's why is it so important is that it, the whole thing becomes more personal it's not yeah, you're going through the motion of what the sages said. You know, most of us don't know all the secrets of the of the, of the prayers. The deep, deep secrets, the whole thing. So there's no real connection over there. So it's very imperative that you go and you actually ask God for anything. You know, you want to find the shidduch, you want panasa, you want this, whatever it is that you want to do. You want to pass a test, or you're in school, whatever it is that the situation that you're in. Ask God. Speak to him in English, in Russian, in Hebrew, whatever language uh, fits you. God understands it all. So you should definitely go and and uh, and and put this personal prayer inside. So the rabbis used to put their personal prayer inside, and the rabbi, this particular rabbi, he says, um, uh, he says like this. He says that you know we want to serve your will. He goes to Hashem, you know we want to serve your will, but there's two things that is preventing us from serving your will. Number one is the shibud malchus, which is the subjugation of the nations that we can we're, we're prevented in certain ways from serving you the way that we would like to, and number two is seol shabi isa. Seol shabi isa literally means the yeast in the dough. So the question is, is, is I understand the first part. First part, yes, we have subjugation of nations, you know, so, uh, okay, understandable. We can't, uh, that, that prevents us. But the yeast in the dough, what does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with not being able to serve God? Yeast in the dough is literally the chametz. What does that have to do with things? So you look at Rashi in the Gemara over there, and it brings down, and he says that it's refer, that, uh, what is Sha'ob Shabbat Isa? It's referring to the Yetzara, the evil inclination. That's what, you know, that's what it's referring to. So first of all, the question is, why go around about? Why Sha'ob with the Yisa? Don't just say the evil inclination. So he says, but still we see over here that Sha'ob Shabbat Isa, which is literally Chametz, specifically on Pesach, is in reference to, uh, the evil inclination, the Yetzara. So, you have over here, and this is very fundamental that we understand this part, that Chametz on Pesach is in representation of the evil inclinations of Yetzirah. So the, the Ben Ishchai, he, go, he goes and explains um, in, in, a, in his a beautiful method that he always does, he goes and he says that the, when you're supposed to search for Chametz, you're supposed to search for it on the 14th, on the night of the 14th on, of Nisan, you search for Chametz. He explains this. This is not just a you know typical searching of just your just your house. You know, many people are are under the impression that when when do you do tshuva? You do tshuva on Yom Kippur before Yom Kippur before Rosh Hashanah, the ten days of repentance. You have that that sort of you know it is the season. That's the you know to to go and do repentance. But throughout the year, it's, well, whatever you know, sorry, yeah, whatever a little bit. But the 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 Ben Ishchai goes down and says no 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 like 
the Pesach, right before Pesach, is a very imperative time also for the Tshuva. And he says that what we're doing, when you're searching the 14th, what is the 14th? When a person gets Bar Mitzvah, when he's required to do Mitzvot, He's the day after he's 13, he's already going on his 14th year. So it says on the 14th night, that's when you're checking for Hametz, which means is when you turn 13 after your Bar Mitzvah, you already start to search yourself. You're searching for yourself for the Hametz that is inside you, the Yetzirah that's inside you, and see what's the problem that I have that I need to fix. It's not just something that, you know, many people, how do they live their life? I'll, you know, do good things now. They know they did some bad things that they need to do Chuban, but they don't think about it. But I'll deal with it later. You know, we won't deal with it at all. I'll be, I'll be a better. They forget about it. it says, uh, says the Ben Ishchai. No, no. The night of the fourteenth, right after you turn Bal Mitzvah, that's already when you're starting to do Chuvah. That's when you're already when you're starting to to go and and look in things that needs to be fixed and need to be uh, 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 changed or you know and checked. This is when we're doing biduk chametz. When we're checking, we're searching our house for chametz on the night before Pesach. We're not just searching our night. We're searching our soul. Our personal being, and what is it, what is the chametz, what is the yetzah that's within us that we have to go and we have to, uh, we have to fix. So, there is an idea also that you have to, um, you know, there is a, a, uh, a general idea that there, you could use the evil inclination for good. There's a, the good inclination, the evil inclination. Good inclination, we know obviously you could use it for good. But the evil inclination, you could also use it for good. Uh, but, at the same point in time, you have to keep it in check. And, you know, the benefit gives an example like this, it says this parable story, that there was once a rich man, he was driving his horse, he was going through the desert, and uh, there, was a, there was a poor man there begging, and the poor man was lame, he wasn't able to walk. So he sees, you know, someone on the horse coming, so he drags with his hands, his whole body, up to the, you know, where the, where the, poor, where the rich man is standing with the horse, and he starts begging on, you know, on his, well, he's always on his knees, but he's begging, he says, please, you know, my dear sir, can you please, you know, spare some money for the poor, you know, I haven't eaten in days, can you please help me out over here? The rich man sees, looks at this lame, the lame part person, and, uh, he says, he feels bad, he takes on a nice gold coin, and he gives it to this poor person. The poor person starts, you know, thanking, kissing his shoes, kissing his, uh, you know, the horse. He's like, thank you so much, I appreciate it. And, you know, he waits like, uh, about two seconds, he's like, you know, if it's not too much to ask, he says, uh, the poor man goes to the rich man, which way are you going? And the rich man says, you know, I'm going to the town over there. He says, that's perfect. He says, can I, can I bother you? Can I get a ride with you? You know, I can't walk, and, you know, I'm, I'm bruised, and I need to get to that area. Is it okay if I go with you? And and the rich man says, yeah, sure, not a problem. He goes, he, get, he gets off his horse, he lifts up this lame man, puts him on the horse, he puts him on the front, and he gives uh, this poor man the, the, the reins to, to hold. He goes and jumps behind him, and they start, they start going. They get to the town, and when they get to the town, the poor man who's riding the horse now, he says, he goes to the rich man, he says, all right, um, uh, thank you very much, uh, we got over here, and now you can get off my horse. The rich man says, excuse me? He says, what do you mean, get off your horse? So he's like, he's like, I'm here now, I, you know, I gave you a ride, now get off my horse. He says, this chutzpah. He's like, what are you talking about? He says, it's my horse. He says, I gave you a ride. And, and the, this poor man starts screaming. He says, help, help, you gotta, you have to help me. And the, you know, the, the, the entire city is gathering around him, you know, the people who are outside. They're like, what's going on? He says, this, this guy, I gave him a ride, I saw him in the desert, and he's trying to steal my horse. And they start screaming at him, you know, what are you, you crazy? Look at this guy, this guy's lame. Why are you trying to steal a lame guy's horse? And the guy, the rich guy's saying, what are you talking about? This is my horse. I gave him the ride. So they, the rich guy says, you know what, enough. And they, they all literally tried to pull this rich guy off. So they went and they brought him to the betting. He says, you know what, let's go to the betting, let's go. He goes to the betting. And they, they go and they pre- each present their case. And uh, the, the betting goes and goes over to the rich man and says, listen, we know that you're really right. It, it seems like you're right, but you, you made a really stupid move. It says you gave the reins of the horse to the lame guy. He was holding the horse when he came in. He has a much stronger claim than you. It says had you would have put him in the back, 
there wouldn't have been any, you know, no one would have said anything. But now that you put him in the front and you gave him the reins of the horse, it really looks like it's his horse. And I'm, we're sorry, but there's nothing that we could do. Says the Ben Ishchai, the same idea. You have people that, you know, the, there, there are some people that the entire drive in life is through the evil inclination. They, they don't live for anything good. They're leaving their, their drive. Their, uh, uh, their goals in life is all, is all through the Yetzirah. And they can either be through money. Whatever money they have, they're still not happy. They're trying to do a list illegal, try to get money over here, try to get money over here. The entire life is all centered about money. And unfortunately, there's many people in this generation that, that you know, we live this way. Like everything from morning to night, we're only thinking about one thing is money. Right? Unless you have a girl walking by and then the guys were thinking about the girl. But the second the girl walks away, right back to money. Alright, so, so there's, there's so many, the, 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 the drive in it is the evil inclination. We need money. You do need money. You do need the money to live and you need to work and you need to make a panasam. But who are you holding the reins? If you're giving the Yetzirah the reins to hold it, then your whole life becomes all about money. If you're holding the reins and you're putting the Yetzirah behind you, then you're the one that, yeah, we're working, but you know, you're, you're keeping the Yetzirah in check over there. And you know, there are many people, the way they live their lives is, is the way that the Yetzirah is holding the reins. You have people that the entire life just centers about, uh, about desires that they need to fulfill. It could be Woman, it could be money, it could be um, it could be food. All these things have a you could do it in a kosher way. Almost anything you could do in a kosher way. It's just that people, you know, you know, go out a little bit of crazy and they go out to the to the non kosher way. Then you have um, you know the it's bringing in a little bit of a different light. Is uh, let's say you have a hen, you have a hen that lays eggs and you you enjoy the eggs. You know, you're able to make. If you just lay the, the, you know, put the hen and let it run around your house, it's gonna wreck the entire house. It's gonna jump from this, it's gonna knock all the vases down, and it's just gonna destroy the, rip the entire house apart. But if you put it in its coop, and you do keep it under control, and it stays in there, and it lays the eggs, so you can enjoy the eggs, and you have the hen too, and then your house is still at, at peace. The same idea, the hen is, a, is a, an example of the, uh, in this mashal as the yetzara. If you keep the yetzara locked up, and you keep it under control, you're able to, to, to get the benefits from it. But if you let it roam around your house free and willy, it's just gonna destroy the entire house. It's gonna rip it, rip it to shred. The, um, the, the, we, we say when, when it comes to Pesach, that you're not allowed to have even the tiniest piece of chametz on Pesach. You're not, like the tiniest of the tiniest, you have to destroy it, you have to cover it, you have to burn it, whatever it is that you have to do, depending on when you find it. So, what is it that it's so small that you can't have it? So uh, the the you know there's there's a very cute mashal that there was once a guy who um, would eat non kosher all the time, all the time, only non kosher. There's kosher meat and there's non kosher. You know, I was I, I heard about this. Um, there's a certain organization that tries to take people out of Judaism. The Jewish organization tried to take people out of Judaism. So they had this um, one of their open houses to bring people in. So they have you know if you want to bring someone out of Judaism, you can't just put pork. I roast a nice pig right in front of them and be like, okay, here, eat. you know, they're coming from, it's, it's a slow process, you gotta take them out slowly, you know, you gotta, you know, like a drug dealer, give the first batch free, and then, you know, it comes back again. So, they don't, you go into these, their, their meetings over there, they have one table for kosher food, one table for non-kosher food. And there was one person, I read this in an article, it was, a non, it was written, it was an article, I think, in the New York Times, I read recently about this, and, um, the, there was a guy there that was non-Jewish that he was coming to do a report on this um, on this uh, company organization. So they he goes over there and he's eating. He's not Jewish, so he eats from the kosher side, he eats from the non-kosher side. And he says, you know, they both had the same type of meat. The kosher side tasted better. The kosher side tasted better, yet the non-kosher table was empty. 
The kosher table was pretty much full. And it tasted better. So you have these people that no matter what it is, no, 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 I'm going to buy, you know, bishita. I'm going to go in and eat. I'm going to eat the non-kosher stuff. So this guy only ate non-kosher food. And, uh, you know, comes Yom Kippur. He feels a little guilty. He's a Jewish guy eating non-kosher food. So he says, on Yom Kippur, only kosher food I'm going to eat. So this is like, you know, like an oxymoron. And granted, it's better, but I'm like, you're not supposed to eat anything on Yom Kippur. So he goes and instead of eating non-kosher, he eats kosher. Which is obviously better than eating, you know, so you have one less sin. But the same idea, it's, it's, you know, it, it makes, it makes very little sense. It's like a guy who goes to the synagogue and he goes to the synagogue but only to talk. I know some of these people, you know, they sit, they hang around usually in the back. You know, their page is always on the same page. And they go and they chat over here, chat over there, and they talk about all the nonsense. And, uh, then they leave. Why do they, why do they even bother coming? Because the, the evil inclination goes and tells them, don't go to synagogue, don't go to shul. And the good inclination says, no, go to shul, go, go pray. So they say, listen, you know, they're people, uh, person pleaser. Well, listen to both of you guys. I'll go to shul, but I won't happen. I'll talk the whole time. So it says, like, you know, like you're, you're, you're going in both angles. This is the idea where you're not supposed to have chametz, even the smallest amount. The on Pesach, there's no evil inclination. There's nothing. There's no compromise between the good inclination and the evil inclination. There's nothing. There's only good inclination. That, you know, the, these are the, the same type of people that, uh, you have women, let's say, that they're dressed they, they dress modestly. But what do they mean that they dress modestly? They're covered where they're supposed to be covered. But the thing is so skin tight that you could see the pulse, you know, coming from the, from the, you know, from the, it's so skin, or it's like bright neon pink, glow in the dark with lights, or, you know, like something that's obviously not modest. But they think that they're modest, so they go both ways. Be like, listen, I'll be modest, but look, look, I'm covered everywhere. But they're so tight and so unfitting and so, so non, really non-sniut that, uh, they sort of listen to both. They listen to the Yetzirah, listen to, the, to that. That's not on Pesach. Pesach is represents only the Yetzirah. There's not even the smallest amount that you're allowed to have, um, inside you. So, there is a, um, you know, a, a, uh, one of the benefits about, about being so careful and not allowing even the smallest speck of chametz is that there was once, you know, a Ruven and Shimon. They were on a ship, and when they were on the ship, it, uh, it capsized. It, you know, turned over, and they lost everything. They saw that, you know, hundreds and hundreds of meters away, there was some sort of land. So they all went, and they swam, um, you know, to the, to, you know, to, to land. It took them a few hours, maybe it was more than 100 meters, whatever it is. It took them, they were, they were swimming half a day. Um, how much ever long distance that is, that's the distance that it was. So they're swimming for half a day, they get to the land, they're exhausted, they're tired, they're starving. You know, we go swimming, it makes you always build an appetite. Something with water in your body makes you starving. So um, they go and they're so hungry. And um, so they go, they start, they walk into town and they each, you know, split up. They're going to go and they're going to, you know, see the first house that they say. They knock on it, says, you know, can you, you know, can you, you know, you know, basically beg for, you know, a change of clothes maybe or just to dry some clothes, a little place to rest and for the night. And the next day they're going to take the next ship out that goes to the destination that they needed to be. So they split up, they each go to their own uh, place. They each go, and uh, they will get welcomed, you know, you know, very beautifully, and they eat, they sleep, they get rested, and they meet up the next day. As they both leave the, for the house, so the, the one of them, Shimon, he, as he's leaving, you know, the guy, you know, he's like, like, you know, he's like, you know, come over here. And he's like, he's like, oh, did, I, you know, is, is everything okay? He's like, he's like, I just want to let you know, I know that you're Jewish. Now they landed in the, the place that they were in Spain. And this is where in a point in time in Spain that you're not allowed to be, they expelled all the Jews from Spain. So he told them, you know, like, uh, and he's like, he's like, oh no, how, how do you know? He's like, no, no, don't worry. He's like, I'm a Jew myself. He was one of the Moranos. He pretended not to be Jewish, but he was Jewish inside. And he says, I just want to let you know that everything that you ate while you were here was all kosher. And he's like, wow, you know, made me so happy. You know, I didn't, you know, I, I was starving. I was going to die. You know, I, I was going to eat anything. So I didn't realize that I had the, so thank you so much for letting me know. I feel so much better about it. 
Then the other guy, Uven, when he leaves the, the thing, the guy, you know, leaves it, he sees the cross hanging from the, you know, swinging from the, from the side in the bamboo, and then he has a cross on the metal, and then he has JC, you know, doing his pose. You know, so he's like, he's like, you know, that's it, you know, he leaves it really depressed and sad, he ate non-kosher food. They get to the, to the boat, and they share their stories. And, um, the other guy, you know, Uven is always wondering, he's like, why did my friend Shimon get so lucky, and he was able to eat kosher food, and I, and I wasn't. So when they reached their, when they reached the place that they were reaching, they went over to the, to the most righteous pa- uh, man in, in, uh, in, in the country in that point in time, and they go over to him and they each present their case, and they say, listen, why is it that he, God let him have kosher food, and me, I, I ended up with non-kosher food. So the rabbi goes and looks over to the guy who ate, um, who ate only the kosher food, and he says, has there been ever in your life that you ever ate non-kosher food? And the guy says, no, I was super careful this my entire life, never non-kosher food. The guy goes, the rabbi goes over to the other guy, you know, who ate the non-kosher food. He says, has there been ever a point in your life where you ate non-kosher food? So, you know, embarrassed, he's like, you know, to be honest, you know, we, I travel a lot, and I was once in a certain place, there was no kosher food, and I was starving, and I, I ate, you know, non-kosher food. The rabbi smiles and says, this is God's ways, God's ways are so just. He says, this is why, he says particularly, that you, ha- you know, that it happened to you, and not to you. You who are so meticulous never to eat non-kosher food, God made sure that you'll never sin. If you never sin, God will protect you that you'll never sin. You, on the other point, on the other side, you, say, you, you weren't so careful, so why should God be careful if you're not careful yourself? This is the idea when it comes to Hametz, not even a tiny speck of it, not even a tiny speck. There's so many Kabbalistic things when it goes into Hametz, you know, I think, if I'm not mistaken, maybe it was a result, maybe it was something else, that if, you, if you're so careful on not eating Hametz, it prevents you from sinning for the entire year on, on Pesach. So, the... Um, now, now that we have some ideas on this evil inclination, now what does it have to do with, with, with Pesach and how do we get rid of it? So what is the difference between Matzah and Chametz? There's one big fundamental difference and that is time. Matzah is done fast, speed. If you've ever been to a Matzah bakery, everything there is like blah, blah, blah. Everything is really quick. There's no wasting time. It's one after another. If you go, you know, at a regular bakery, you know, they sit down, you know, you have the Russian woman there sitting and they're baking, you know, with the hair nets over there. And, you know, the nice aroma swelling and a nice, it gets nice and puffy and big and it's delicious. And it's, uh, it's a slow process. There's no rush. There's a, there's a story with Nachamish Gamzu. Nachamish Gamzu was once traveling on a donkey. And there was a poor man that came over to him and says, please, can you, can you, do you have some food? And he had some food in his bag. So he gets off his donkey, he goes and he starts unpacking his bag to go get the food. By the time that it took him to go and get the food for the poor man, he turns around, the poor man kneeled forward and died. He hadn't eaten in days and, you know, it was his last strength and he, and he couldn't make it anymore. And, uh, you know, he's like, he's like, the only reason why he didn't make it is because of the time. Had, had, this is what Nachum Ha'ashkanzo said, he says, had I would be able to bring him right away, I would have been able to, to, to survive. Time is, this, time is so precious, there's so, it's so expensive time, that people take it for granted. The Jews had to leave Mitzrayim, you know what, they had to leave right then, and they had to eat matzah, they had to go everything so quick, because there was no time. If they would have stayed any, any further, the more of them would have been lost. We already know that one-fifth, only one-fifth, 20% of the Jews that were in Egypt actually got out of Egypt. Which means 80% died in Makat Choshech. They didn't even make it. If we would have stayed any longer, we would have lost even more. So we didn't have the chance, the ability, the, you know, the luxury to stay, stay uh, more time in Egypt. And hence, everything is about speed. Everything is about, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go right now. We can't wait. The, um, the, that's the difference between Matzah and Chametz. Matzah, signifies no time, speed, everything right now. Chametz, we got time, we got to relax, you know, pass the doobie, we're all good, we're all friends, you know, we'll sit in a circle, we'll, you know, we'll sing a song, everything's got, everyone's got time. The Yetzirah, the evil inclination, you know what's his tactic? His biggest tactic in getting you to, to not uh, do a mitzvah is one fundamental secret. All he tells you to do is like, he's like, oh, you want to learn Torah? Yeah, you should definitely learn Torah. Well, not now, you don't have to leave right now. You, you know, you wake up and you know, Shachrit is uh, 6.45. 
and be like, listen, okay, you don't, you have to go, you have to wake up right now. We have some time, you know, relax a little bit. We'll go. The Yitzhah's tactic is, is we have time. But you have to say that it lasts like five hours. What? You know, everything about months is quick, except they say that it was like five hours. The whole process, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, but the actual, I don't know, I'm not familiar with the process, but the, the idea is that it gets big. Oh, they said that. Yeah, yeah. Everything else is quick except for the said that. Yeah, it's really long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Now, think about all that extra reward that you're getting because you're doing it when you're hungry and you have, you know, it's ridiculous, it's crazy. Okay, so, um, the, um, the, the idea with the evil inclination is that he plays on time. He says, I'll, you know, do the, do the mitzvah, go learn. You know, show up a little bit late. Why do you have to be on time anyway? You know, go, go, go pray, but you have to be the first one there. You know, it's, it's all about time. It's all, and this is why one of the biggest ways to get back at the evil inclination is he wants to get you to sin. Use the same game trick on him. He uses his own, his, his own tricks on himself. They're like, yeah, yeah, I'll sin. What's the rush? No, we'll, do it. we'll do it in five minutes. We'll do it in ten minutes. And when five minutes comes, what does he tell you? Hit the snooze button again. So you hit the snooze button again. again. So if you're able to push it off, the more you push it off, you'll be able to also prevent from overcoming uh, the, you know, the temptation. Well, you'll be able to overcome the temptation and not fall. So this is what the Rambam says in Hichot Talmud Torah, in the third palette. He says, you know, there are many people that say, let me work first, let me make some money, and then I'll go and I'll learn Torah. So someone like that will never wear the crown of Torah. It's never going to happen. If you're not going to learn now, you're not going to learn. Don't think that you're going to learn later. Only if you are learning now, then eventually, hopefully, you'll be able to also go and you'll be able to also learn when you get when you get older. The, um, there are many things that in life can be replaced. There's one thing that cannot. You fix, you break something, it could be a, you know a car breaks down, you get a new car. Something wrong with the house, you can move, you can buy a new house, you can fix it. Things can be fixed. There's one thing that cannot be replaced, and that is time. Once time goes by, that's it. You're, you're, you know it, it, it's done. There are many people who say, you know what? I'll be religious later. I'll be, you know, slowly baby steps and go. If you, you, this time that you have right now is never going to come back again. Where you are standing right now, not only that, is the position that you're in in your life right now will never be the same position as well. If things are constantly changing, this is why when every prayer that you have is never the same prayer. Because there's so many different, you know, um, equations that are going in. You have the emotions, you have your, you know, your financial situation, your mind, you're tired, you're hungry. There's so many different things that they're never exactly the same in life. And hence the same thing, you're never going to be in the same position again in life. You have the ability to do something good right now, you're pushing it off. Who says you're going to be able to have that same ability, you know, to do it uh, tomorrow or next time? So, the, um, so, so now that we have uh, that, that fundamental, now we have to go a little bit to the, to our, um, to our board. Our board with our numerical value, and here we could get a lot of beautiful secrets on on Pesach. So you have over here that um, zoom in on the camera so they could see. So now um, I can't see. Uh, okay, so we have over here. This is this name over here. Whoever uh, you know can read Hebrew. It's the name of the Satan. This is the Kabbalistic name of the Satan. Um, it's Samach Mem Aleph Lamed for whoever is listening in audio. It's a um, in English, it's S-A-M-E-L, I believe is the correct, uh, you know, pronunciation, uh, spelling of it. Its numerical value is 131, which is the same numerical value as Anava. Anava is humility. Now, you, this doesn't mean that the Satan has humility. And this is what they, it's actually, it's, it's opposing that nature that they have, the opposite of that they have for each other. That the, the, one of the things that we saw, we started off with, was that you have, you know, the anger. Someone who gets anger, all sorts of Gehenom he's going to get. Anger comes from pride. The opposite of humility is anger. It says you want to get the satan, you want a big strong tactic, that is through humility. That's why there is, um, you know, the, the matzah is known as lechem oni. Lechem oni means poor man's bread. So why, why is it poor man's bread? Number one is it takes a long time to digest. 
So if it takes a long time to digest it, it's good for the poor people to eat it because they don't have to buy so much of it. It takes a long time and they're staying full for a longer period of time. But also, additionally, it's poor man's bread because it's very low. It's humble. It's, it's, it's flat. You know, if you want to escape, you know, prison or whatever it is. If you're flat, if you're small, you're able to stick out. If you're big and bloated, you know, like a piece of bread, you're not going to be able to stick out to that. Bread floats up, it has the yeast, it rises, and as you know, it's a big shot. Tastes delicious, it's nice and sweet. Matzah is very simple. Flat like a piece of paper, it could go sneak in and everywhere. So it's a... It's a Right? Matzah? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what we're eating. We're eating matzah because they ate in Egypt. Oh, they ate it in Egypt. Yeah, they ate in Egypt. Yeah. Well, matzah is just, it's like, it's the same ingredients as bread. Well, it doesn't have yeast, but it's just, it's, it's flour and water, but it's done very quickly, so it doesn't have time to go anywhere. But they knew they were going out of Egypt a couple of days before. Right? Yeah. No, no, so they, they um, when they got, uh, they got told to go out in the middle of the night. And they had the next morning, because Makot, they knew they were going to leave. They didn't know when it was going to be, but they knew that they were, they were going to leave. But comes Paro after Makot Bechorot, that night that he was supposed to die, the, the, um, the tenth plague, the plague of the death of the firstborn. So, you know, Paro ran through the Jews and says, get out right now, I don't want you here. And God says, no, 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 we're not, you know, tell, tell the Jews we're leaving by daylight. We're not leaving in the middle of the night like thieves. We'll leave when, you know, we're going to get a very nice restful night's sleep, and we'll wake up in the morning, and then we're going to go leave at then. So Paul wanted, so by the time we woke up in the morning, we got, you know, yeah, we got to, we got to get out. So, um, you have, so now the, um, the, the, the difference over here between, um, Matzah and Chametz, so they both, they, they both have the letters Mem and Tzadik inside. Chametz has the Chet, and Matzah has the He. Now, if you take the Tzadik out, and you see I put it over here on the side, you take the Tzadik out, the tzaddik is like the person. Well, should be a tzaddik. Um, you have the matzah spells ma. Ma denotes humility. Ma, is, you know, like Moshe Rabbeinu. What do they say? Ma nachnu machayenu. What are we? We're nothing. When signifying what means means humility. In uh, in chametz, you take out the tzaddik. You left with cham. Cham means hot. Hot is is where do you get hot from? Hot is anger. Anger is heat. Anger is you know pride is hot. You're getting hot in that. So you have matzah. Ma is humility. You have chametz. Chametz is the heat. Is the anger is the opposite of humility. Now you have the, there's a, a, uh, the Pasuka in Bereshit, right? It says, Where does God's presence hover? It hovers over the, the surface of the water. We said this, I think, uh, maybe once or twice before. That God's presence suffers, uh, hovers only on the, uh, on the surface of the water. The question is why? Why water? There's four elements, right? You have earth, air, fire, and water. Why is God's presence specifically on the water? So there is, uh, if you look at the characteristic traits of the, each of these elements, you have, uh, let's say, fire. Fire, no matter, you know, you, you, uh, you strike a match, you can hold it upside down, it's still going to try to go up. It's still going to go up, it's signifying, you know, the, the arrogance. Ah, you're going straight up all the time. You take, uh, you take air, right? You take a seltzer bottle. What happens when you open it? All the air shoots straight up. All the air is trying to get out. Uh, then you have, uh, but even besides that, you have ear. Ear is very strong. It blows and it's powerful. It wants to destroy things. Uh, then you have earth. If you take a cup of earth, a cup of dirt, and you pour it, what happens? It's going to go, it's going to build a foundation, and it's going to slowly start to pile up, try to get up there. What happens if you take water, any liquid, and you start spilling it on the floor? It's going to try to go to the lowest possible place. It's going to, you know, if, if this is how, you know, you can tell if your floor is leveled. You spill the water, and you see which way it goes. Because water constantly goes to the lowest place. Water signifies humility. Water signifies uh, um, being humble. This is one of the reasons also that we, when we dip inside water in mikvah, what we're doing is what we're bringing ourselves to a humble, to, to, to a humble place. We're just like the characteristics of water, which is going down to the lowest possible place, so too we should bring ourselves down to the lowest possible place, not in our self-esteem or anything else like that, but rather in humility. So, 
This is also the, the idea, you know, when somebody goes um, and somebody's doing an introspection, looking at his soul, right? He's doing hametz, like we spoke about over here. He's going to go think about what he could change, what he could fix. So there's two ways to do it. You look at, picture a telescope. If you look from the small end of the telescope and you're looking out towards the big end of the telescope, then everything far away comes very close. Let's say you flip it around. If you flip and you look through the big part and you're looking through the small, to the small, so everything looks very far away. So it depends. If you're looking at yourself with the small circle, which means is that you're bringing everything else closer, which means you're, you're looking at yourself with humility, not like a big shot. Then all your sins, it's easy to see. It's easy, yeah, okay, I need to fix this, I need to fix this. But if you're looking with pride and, oh, I'm okay, I'm great, I'm, what am I, I'm a big tzaddik, you know, whatever. You're looking at yourself from the wide angle, from the wide thing, well, all you're going to see is very far away. Is, ah, I don't have to change that, I don't have to change this. One of the secrets of being able to go and change yourself and be able to actually be true and honest with yourself is humility. You want to become a better person, you have to be true to yourself. True person is usually a humble person. They're like, yeah, I know I have an anger issue, I know I have, a, you know, uh, this desire issue, whatever it is I need to do, and you know that what you need to do and you need to fix. The chametz, the chametz signifies the, the, the anger, the arrogance, the pride, the opposite of humility, which is matzah. The, um, one of the things that we do, there are many people that they get married, they get married on a Thursday, because it's a blessing of the fish. The fish were created on Thursday. Why do fish have such blessing? You ever realize that they have, you, have, you ever have a fish tank? I used to have a fish tank. Right? There's one little fish, it's like this big, it produces like 30 babies. You know, how is it possible that there's so many, you know, dogs, you know, they produce, they have a lot of kids also. There's no 30 puppies from one, uh, at least not that I'm familiar with. They, they, they don't produce, fish produce crazy. It's a bracha fish. They, why do they, why do they get that, that blessing? Because the, there's, the blessing is something that's hidden from the eye. They're humble. They're everything else, they're under the water. They're not showing off. They're not doing anything. You know, the, the land, when God told the land, go sprout out the uh, trees. What did it do? Beautiful flowers, trees, you know, sky, you know, hundreds of feet in the air. Beautiful. God said the same thing to the, to the ocean. Spread out also. Oh, they have trees, they have flowers. Everything, they did the same thing, but everything stayed under the water. Why do we gotta show off? Everything is right up here. There's no trees sprouting out of the ocean, you know, coming in. There's no, the, the coral, uh, what is it, the leaf, reef? Coral reef, right? They're, they're not, they're not, they're all under the water. Signifying, uh, the humility, the humbleness, and with the humbleness, you get the blessing. The blessing is in the, in the humility and the humble. So, you have here, uh, the next thing where we're going to go, is that you have the chametz, which is chametz and sa'ol. Sa'ol is the yeast chametz. These are the things that signifying the, the things that you now have to stay away from on Pesach, is the numerical value is 639, which is the same numerical value as etzadas, which is the tree of knowledge, the tree, the first, the first sin of, of, uh, uh, that men uh, made. Now this is the ready, the, from here was the downfall of, of all the Satan and how it came inside of us, you know, there's, there's a, there's a huge, the Yetzirah beforehand was, was something outside. All of a sudden, after the Yetzirah, it came inside. So in order to actually go and go before the sin, we have to figure out a way to bring it, ourselves back to the situation that we were before the sin of the Yetzirah, which is, uh, you know, coincidentally, or not, obviously because nothing else is coincidence, the same numerical value as Hametz and Sa'ol. Now you have over here Adam. Adam was the first person that did, that did a sin. Also, Adam is human. We're, we're Adam. Adam, the numerical value is 45. Now, if somebody wants to perfect themselves, if someone wants to perfect, there's three big things that they need to perfect in. And that is the thought, the speech, and the action. And if you think about it, any mitzvah or any sin that you do is either a, a single one or a combination of those three things. So, for example, if somebody um, is, is, uh, is, is uh, going to sin with a woman, that's a sin in action. If someone's going to go and say Lashonara, it's a sin with speech. If someone's going to do a mitzvah with lulav, so he's doing a sin of action. If someone's denying the fact of God, so you know he's thinking that there's no such thing as God, so it's a, a thing of thought. And or every mitzvah that you do, or every and any sin that you do, is either a single or a combination of both of them. Uh, or a combination, I'm sorry, of three of them. So if you want to perfect 
perfect yourself, you have to perfect with these three things. So you take Adam, who has to perfect himself with three things. You times that by 45 times 3, 45, which is Adam, right? Times it by 3, you get 145, which is the same numerical value as Matzah. Now, I'm not saying that you eat Matzah all the time, you're a perfect person. But there's 135, yes, I'm sorry, thank you. Did I say 135 or I said 145? It should be 135, you're right. 135. So the 135 is the numerical value of matzah. Thank you very much. So the the matzah, if you're learning the lessons, the secrets of matzah, it actually could bring you to correct all these all these things. Because what matzah is the opposite of the satan. That's the opposite of things that brought you to simply these things. So it brings you to 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 in a certain sense before the sin. You have halach ma'anya. Halach ma'anya is the part where we speak about the matzah, the bread that we ate in mitzah. In mitzah. Halach ma'anya has 28 words. It has 28 words, the numerical value of, of, of uh, 28, well, it's 28, but in Hebrew it's koach. Koach is, um, is strength. The matzah can give you strength. Can give you strength to do what? So we look at it, we look at the, um, we look at the a little bit further, then we're gonna plug it all in. You have matzah, there's something called the full numerical value. So go like this, I didn't realize how high it is. So you have the full numerical value, which is, um, you, you spell out each letter. So mem is mem mem. Tzadik, you spell out tzadik, and hey, you spell out that. And I have it all written down over here. The numerical, the full numerical value of matzah, uh, as tzadik spelling tzadik dalid yud, is 190, the same numerical value as ketz. Ketz means the ends of, the end of time. Through matzah, there's something here that, that you can accomplish a lot. And listen here, we're gonna plug it all in. So, with the secret of matzah, we said what? That you can beat the evil inclination. It's all about the speed. It's all about the humility. The opposite of what the evil inclination represents. The opposite of what the Yitzhah in itself tries to, tries to bring people down. You take the three pieces that, that messed it up. That messed it up from the beginning. It's the thought, the speech, and the action. And you're going to take that and you're going to perfect the human being. So you're going to, but what happens when you perfect that? You're going away from the sin of the Etzadas, from the Sa'al and the Chametz, which is represented on Pesach, which is also the opposite of the, which is the same as the, as the Etzadas. When you fix all that, this is going to give you the Koach, the strength, the 28, the strength of that Matzah that it has to what to bring the kids. Because what happens when you fix all that? What happens when you fix the sin of the Adam Elishan? What happens when you overcome all the things of, of, of the Etzadas? You're going to bring yourself to the end of times, the Mashiach, the kids, the, the end of time. The secret of Matzah is so fundamental that it's not all only about the constipation. It's an added bonus. Everything else is, you have, you have so much stuff that goes on in Matzah. There's so much secrets that are going on over here that it pays to know what you're actually, what you're actually eating. And with, when you're eating this Matzah, you think about it. You think about what it represents. It represents fast. It represents getting, getting rid of the Satan. Getting rid of the Yetzalah. Getting rid of the evil inclination. And there's so much that you could accomplish by doing that. So to finish off, we'll have to, um, um, you know, end off with, with uh, you know, a few, a few ideas. We, um, before we do that, we have actually a question we didn't answer. Is if the, the, the matzah is represented in um, the evil inclination, I'm sorry, if chametz is represented in evil inclination, why are we allowed to eat it all year round? We should not eat it ever. Why are we allowed to eat, why are we allowed to eat bread? It's represented, it's all the chametz, it's all about the evil inclination, it's all about the etzadah, it's all about the sins. Let us stay for it forever. Well, why, why only Pesach? So, uh, the you know every, every holiday represents a different uh, part of our relationship with God. Pesach is our is when we were born, and and if you think about it, we're born as a nation. It's when we come out as a nation. Until then, we were you know we were, were the Hebrews. All of a sudden, we come out as as a nation. We're born, right? Not born again. We're just born. We're born. We're born a a complete nation. It's it's our um it's it's our you know going through uh, Mitzrayim. It's our pregnancy and getting out is you know uh, you know as the pregnancy goes on it gets tougher and the same way Mitzrayim as it got on it got tougher until finally you know Mazdaltov you know it's a nation and we came out. So there is when when a baby is born, 
And I can tell you my personal experience, you know, especially the first baby, you have a baby, right? If, if the, if you have, you want to give it a pacifier, it falls on the floor. It's like everyone stop, you take the pacifier, right? You go and you rinse it underwater and then you sterilize it with hot water and then you clean it again and then you're doing that and then you give it to the, to the newborn baby, right? If there's someone comes and someone wants to hold your newborn baby, I was like, that, you know, it was really a little ridiculous. I went over the top. We had a bottle of Purell. You want to hold the baby? No problem. Cleanse yourself, mm-hmm. you know? You want to hold this precious little, you know, little me? You got to, you know, cleanse yourself. Then you got to go do that. You know, people go and, and you know, by, by all means, there's a reason for why, why they do that. A bottle falls on the floor. You take off the bottle. You throw out whatever was inside in there. You sterilize the entire bottle. You buy new water. You know, they sell water just for babies. You ever see that? It's a good, uh, you know, it's good marketing. But it's, it's water just for babies. Extra purified water. It's a special water. Why are we so careful of babies? Go visit a house two years later. The kid is, you know, the, the, the same kid where you were so careful about, you know, dropped, you know, a piece of chicken on the floor. You'd be like, all right, all right, no, five second rule. You'd be like, no, it's been already five minutes. Five minute rule, fine, just, you know, come on, eat it, eat it, go to bed already. You know, so the kid's eating off the floor, you know, the pacifier falls on the floor, and the mother quickly picks it up, you know, does like this, you know, you know, you know, rubs off all the dirt and stuffs it right back into the kid's mouth. Two years ago, they would kill somebody if they didn't actually go and rinse their hand with Purell. Now she's feeding the baby off the floor. What happened in two years that all of a sudden, you know, and the answer is, is that when a new ba- newborn baby, you have to be so careful with, with everything because it's so susceptible to infection and to so many things. Everything has to be perfect. You can't allow any, any, any bacteria to go in. Granted, when babies get older, it's, it's not so bad that they eat a little bit of dirt now and then. I'm not saying you should feed it dirt, but it builds immunity. So when we're a newborn nation, we cannot have the Yitzhah, not even a little bit. Chametz not allowed. We're not, your newborn nation, Chametz is poisonous. It could be infectious. Who knows what it could cause when you're a newborn, a newborn being. So when it comes after Pesach, <coughs> no Chametz, no whatsoever. Afterwards, we said you could use Chametz for good. You could use the, you could use the evil inclination for good. But when you're newborn, you're not allowed to do anything. You have to stay far away as possible from, uh, from Chametz. Okay. So, finish off, we'll finish off with, uh, with two short, uh, uh, cute little, uh, parables. There is, um, there was, um, a guy who had a house, and his house had, uh, holes in the ceiling. And it was raining, and when it rains, so the house starts, uh, you know, it starts dripping in water. So this entire time, this guy's going, he's mopping up the floor, and then he's dripping on this side, he's putting a bucket over here, a bucket over here, he's cleaning up the entire house. And, you know, someone comes to visit him and be like, you know, f- you know, you're a fool. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm working so hard. He has so many pails. He buys new pails so he can fill up all, all the area so it doesn't get a thing. He's like, look, I'm, I'm working. He's like, idiot, just close your roof. You're spending so much money on pails. Just buy some things and fix your roof so it won't fall in. The same idea is that we spo- that we're supposed to do. You have, you know, there are many people that they become religious, they become more frumbar, they learn more, but they're still associated with the outside world. They're still listening to non-Jewish music, they're still going to do, into certain places that they shouldn't be going, you know, putting themselves with disgusting movies and TV and, you know, things that are immoral and just bring a person down. And they're wondering why I'm not growing, you know, why I'm not going where I am. I'm like, you're like that guy who's, you know, you're catching the water, granted, but your roof is full of holes. Kadesh and Uchatz is what we say in the Seder. First you do what? First you Kadesh. First you purify yourself. Then you Uchatz. Then you could actually be able to go and back to delve into spirituality and get a whole nother level. I'm telling you, when you're going and you're staying away, this is what it is when it says, the, the Torah says, Su Su Stay away from evil and then do good. Because if you take all the evil out, you're, you, it's going to be a whole new world for you. It's going to be us. Judaism is never going to be the same. If you have impurity pushing on one side, and then you have holiness pushing on one side, which granted, it's better than nothing. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the same when you just have holiness uh, coming in. 
the, you know, when, when uh, there was once two people that were very, very wealthy. They were extremely, extremely wealthy. In fact, they were the wealthiest people in town. And everybody used to argue, who's wealthier? This guy would say, this guy, and this guy would say, this guy. And, you know, it, it became like a thing. Like, everyone used to argue with, like, oh, you know, who do you think is wealthy? Even these guys argued amongst themselves. They're like, I'm wealthier than that guy. And I was like, no, I'm wealthier. Finally, they meet one time, the arch enemies, uh, the nemesis, they meet, and they say, let's sell this once and for all. So we'll figure out, he says, how are we going to figure out? We tally up all our money, how are we supposed to do that? So one of them was, a, you know, like a crooked guy. And he says, no, listen, we'll do it like this. We'll take bags and bags of gold coins, and we'll go out on, on a boat together. And each one will chuck a one gold coin for one gold coin. The first person to stop means that it hurts him, he can't throw anymore. That's the guy who's not, uh, that's, that's not as wealthy. So the guy thought, says, listen, good idea. Let's do it. So he goes and, uh, you know, he brings bags of, of gold coins. Meanwhile, the swindler, the guy who had this idea, he goes and he makes wooden coins and he coats them only, he coats them in pure, pure gold. But it's not solid gold, it's, it's only coated in gold. So, you know, um, they're each going one for one. And this, you know, the guy who has real gold coins is looking at this guy. He's like not even sweating. He's like, you know, he's doing tricks, you know. He's like making it spin. He's like flicking it off, you know. He's like throwing it backwards. And this guy's like every gold coin's like, oh, you know, like after a hundred, eh, a hundred gold coins, fine. But after a few thousand gold coins, it starts to hurt you. They're like, I'm just throwing in all the money. Right? You know, there are people that are diving under, the, you know, like grabbing everything. So all the money. So anyways, um, you know, finally, eventually the guy, you know, who was throwing in real gold coins, which was evidently who was actually richer, way richer than the guy, says, listen, I give up. You're, you know, you're right. He says, I, I don't know how you not even breaking a sweat. This guy has got armpit stains and he's, you know, he's already nervous over here. He's, you know, he just, he just threw away another building. So, um, the same idea is when it comes to, it comes to the way that we use our time on the holidays. You know, we're, we need, you know, everyone needs to go and they need to work and they need to live a certain life and they have to do, so they don't have time to learn to God. They don't have time to connect to God. They don't have time to do the whole spiritual thing to the extent that they would like to. Comes Shabbat, comes the holidays, comes Pesach. All of a sudden, you have seven days, you have a day, you have, you have, you have days that you're not allowed to work. You're not working, you're at home anyways. Now, what are you gonna do? Is it, is it, are you just gonna chuck your, you know, your, your, you know, the, the fake, you know, gold coins into the, into the ocean? Or are you gonna realize that, that time has value to it? The Jews are represented that, that, uh, these gold coins in the story, these represented the time. The non-Jews go, and they, they coat their, their time in gold, and they go, you know, what's a holiday for them? They go and they waste time. They go and they relax, they do this, and they watch it, they binge watch a movie, movies one after another, binge watch a whole TV series. This is what they do, they waste time on their vacation. And they take the, their gold coins, which is representative of time, it's only goaded in gold, uh, it's only coated in gold. Everything else is fake on the day. They just chuck it over. A Jew who has solid gold coins, he goes and he's throwing it, every time means something. Time is, is of essence. Time, you can't not bring back time. It says when you're coming in a holiday, what is your what is your focus now that you don't have anything else? You don't have anything else that you need to do. You don't have anything else that needs to. Uh, um, you, you have just by yourself. You're with your family. You have time to learn to walk. You have time to go to, to to the synagogue. But what do people do? They go and they sleep. They catch up on this, which is not a problem in itself. But if that's the only thing they're doing, people just like sleep the entire Shabbat, the entire Pesach, the entire they just sleep the entire time. Be like you're just wasting it. You're, you're wasting the you're wasting the actual you know the, the precious time. Don't be like the guy who's throwing in fake money. You realize that money is valuable, and money and money is time. Time is actually money, not the other way around. So realize when it comes to Pesach now, when it comes to Shabbat, use your time. This is what it comes after 120. After 120, we're going to go to God and be like, you know what? We wish we would have learned Torah. We would love Torah. Torah is amazing. I went to a class once a week. It was great. You know, when I was driving, I was listening to Torah anytime. It was, it was awesome. I was, you know, I was learning Torah. And um, so, so they're going to judge a person depending on what he did on his free time. Be like, you really wanted to learn Torah? Let's see what you did on your free time. All of a sudden, they see he gets off at work at 5, he's at home already at 6. 
for four hours he's watching TV. You're like, oh, I love to watch. What happened to this? And like, oh, I needed to relax. I needed to do this. And and if you're constantly, they're constantly looking. And whenever you had free time, you're not learning Torah. So which means that you really didn't want to learn Torah. So the whole time that you learned, that you say that you want to learn, you really didn't want to learn Torah because when you had the ability to do it, you didn't do it. However, let's say you have a guy who finishes working. He relaxes a little bit. Then he goes to the, to the shul. He goes to hear a Torah class. He goes and he, and he opens a book. He reads a sefer. He's learning with his free time. So they say, oh, this guy, he really wants to learn the whole time. So they give him reward as if he learned the entire day. The time that you had to work was only work because you needed to work. But you really wanted to learn. So you get reward as if you wanted to do it. Because we know that if you want to do something, you don't have the ability to do it. You get reward as if you did it. This is what, how important it is that we got to show God. we got to show that we love to learn Torah. We love to get close to God. We want to come to the synagogue. We want to do all these things. But when, when is the best time to show that? When you have the time. When you have the time, there's no excuses. And so much so more so that when you're doing it, when you don't have the time, now you can go tell it. And now you have the, the, the ability to say, listen, I always wanted to do it. I just couldn't. I couldn't. And with that, Hashem, God will judge you favorably and judge us favorably. That will be be able to go and have a complete and an amazing Pesach, a uh, a successful Pesach, and an unbelievable um, thank you, an unbelievable Bachot, and we we learn the blessings that it is in the Matzah. We learn the secret of Matzah. We realize it that it's 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 about the speed. It's about the speed of the humility. It's about taking getting rid of the Satan. And with that, we'll be able to actually go and have the full numerical value of Matzah, which is the Ketz. And the time we'll have Mashiach from Hell. Amen. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.